0: Well, welcome to uh, another day as we go through the Word of God, and uh, looking forward to the continuation of our journey through the Book of Matthew. And uh, I'm really enjoying this uh, journey, and I hope that you are too. And uh, it, it's it's just amazing uh, to be able to think about somebody like uh, Matthew, as one of the apostles, documenting for us the the birth, life, ministry of Jesus Christ. Uh, in such a way that it starts off the New Testament just chronicling, uh, what we need to know about who Jesus was and, and what did he actually do. So as we get into, uh, chapter two here, uh, we, we start to read the familiar stories, uh, that we, we grew up understanding. But today is a good day for us to really, uh, look a little bit uh more in depth at some of those things. Let's uh let's start off with uh chapter 2 verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, Matthew actually tells us very little about the birth of Jesus. Luke 2 is is where we find the the, the you know the details that we're familiar with of Jesus' birth. But what Matthew tells us is regarding uh, something that happened after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem was the ancestral home of David. Remember, Joseph traces his lineage back to David. and uh, David's the great king. He's the, the king of Israel. He's the founder of the royal dynasty that Jesus is in line of. Um, but Bethlehem itself is, is, you know, wasn't a larger significant town. And, uh, one of the places that I really hope to be able to take you to when you come with me to Israel, if you've not already been. It's an amazing little place and contains some of the most wonderful human beings that I have ever met. Uh, I've never met people, the, the, the Palestinian Christians of current modern day Bethlehem, uh, some of the most reverent, uh, have the most reverent aspect and perception of Jesus, and their reverence towards Jesus is just amazing. Uh, but Bethlehem, uh, Barclay says this was a, quite a little town. It was six miles to the south of Jerusalem, and it and, and in its old day it had been called Ephrath or, or Ephrata. Now, Spurgeon said this, A stir begins as soon as Christ is born. He has not even spoken a word. He has not wrought a miracle. He has not proclaimed a single doctrine. But when Jesus was born, at the very first while as yet you hear nothing but infant cries and can see nothing but infant weakness, still his influence upon the world is manifest. When Jesus was born, there came wise men from the east and so on. There is infinite power even in an infant, infant saviour. Now, in the days of Herod the king, let's talk a little bit about Herod because this, this, this guy was known as Herod the Great and he was indeed great. Uh, he was a great ruler, he was a great builder, he was a great administrator, uh he was a great politician, but he was also uh great, if you want to put it that way, for his cruelty. Um, Carson said this, Herod was wealthy, politically gifted, intensely loyal, an excellent administrator, and clever enough to remain in the good graces of successive Roman emperors. Now, that meant that Herod was originally from Jewish descent and he was then put in place to rule over Judea. His famine relief was superb and his building projects, including the temple, begun in 20 BC were admired even by his foes, but he loved power. He inflicted incredibly heavy taxes on the people and he resented the fact that many Jews considered him a usurper. In his last years, suffering an illness that compounded his paranoia, he turned to cruelty and in fits of rage, jealously killed those who were closest to him. Now, when you come to Israel with me, I'll I'll show you and uh, you know some of the amazing things that Herod built. Okay, like engineering marvels. Um, there there are books about his architecture, his his engineering. The 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 harbor at Caesarea, he like dug out a harbor in the sea, and it's still there. It's it's amazing. Uh, he built mountains. There was where there was an uh, where there was a hill, he turned it into a mountain. He built aqueducts that traveled for miles at like perfect, uh, levels, uh, that are still there today. Um, Masada, uh, you know, come with me to Masada if you've been there. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible what was built, uh, there. This, this is, this is who, this is who was ruling when Jesus was born. And it's very important for us to know that. Um, now, um, Wise men came, and, and this is what this is what they did, okay? They said, um, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Um Barclay, Augustus the Roman Emperor, had said bitterly that it was safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. Um This is the Roman emperor speaking about somebody lower than him. He said, yep, you'd be safer being his pig than his son. Um, France says this, the reign of Herod also gives us chronological marking point. Jesus was born before the death of Herod the Great, which is probably to be dated close around 4 BC. The exact date of Jesus' birth is actually unknown. This is when the wise men came from the east. These travellers are called wise men. Uh, in ancient Greek is magoi. Uh, we sometimes refer to them as magi. Now, misconceptions. There's lots of misconceptions and legends about these wise men. Um, they were not kings. They were not three kings. They were wise men, which means they were astronomers. They were guided by the stars. And there, uh, and there wasn't only three. There was probably a whole lot of them. Okay. We, we, there's a reason why we think there's three, and we'll get to that in, in a little bit. Uh, and they, seem to have come not when Jesus was born, but probably several months, maybe up until two years later. Uh, Carson said this. In later centuries down to New Testament times, the term Magi loosely covered a wide variety of men who were interested in dreams, astrology, magic, books thought to contain mysterious references to the future, and the like. Now, they were from the East, okay? Uh, which means that they would have been among those Jewish people who were exiled from Judah uh, and Israel centuries before. Uh, Clark said this, "...that many Jews were mixed with this people, there is little doubt, and that these Eastern Magi or philosophers, astrologers, or whatever else they were, might have originally been of that class, there is room to believe." These, knowing the promise of the Messiah, were now probably, like other believing Jews, waiting for the consolation of Israel. So there was a general expectation uh, of a Messiah or a great man who was going to come out of Judea. And not very long after Jesus was born, there was a Roman historian, his name was Suetonius, and he wrote this, There had spread over all of the Orient an old and established belief that it was fated at that time for men coming from Judea to rule the world. Tacitus, he was another Roman historian, uh, and he said there was a firm persuasion that at this very time to the east was to grow powerful and rulers coming from Judea were to acquire universal empire. Uh, William Barclay cited that. Now, Carson said this about the tradition of the Magi and why why, why the tradition is that they were kings. Uh, the tradition that the Magi were kings can be traced as far back as Tertullian, uh, who died around 225 AD. It probably developed under the influence of Old Testament passages that say that kings will come and worship the Messiah in Psalms sixty eight, seventy two, Isaiah 49 and 60. Now, Church traditions tell us their name. Uh, their names were supposedly uh, Melchior, Caspar, and Balthazar. And uh, they were guided by a astronomical phenomenon uh, that they followed, which is how they came to Jerusalem. Uh, and they came to the area, and they expected to find answers in Jerusalem, not Bethlehem, only six miles away. And they expected that the leaders and the people in Jerusalem, uh, the leaders of the Jews, were going to be even more interested in this, this birth than they were. Now, Matthew doesn't tell specifically that the star guided them to Jerusalem. Um, but Spurgeon said this, It has been truly remarked that the shepherds did not miss their way. They came to Jesus Christ at once, while the wise men even with a star to guide them, yet missed their way and went to Jerusalem instead of to Bethlehem and inquired at the palace of Herod the Great instead of at the stable where Jesus Christ was actually born. And they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So these wise men, these astronomers had traveled all the way. They get to Jerusalem. They want to honor the new king and, uh, But there's a little bit of irony in their effort to honor the king, because at that time Jewish people were already despised and dishonored because of their uh customs, because of their beliefs, uh, but also because of their success and priority and and prosperity. No different than than what people think of them today. And and they were thought of as troublesome, uh, they were thought of as a conquered race who should know their place, uh, and and it was. It would almost be considered remarkable to think that they could trouble themselves to honour uh, an infant king, but even more so, somebody who was apparently going to be king of the Jews. Spurgeon said this, uh, The wise, the, the, the wise men said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Jews? Who cared for Jews? Even in those days, Jews were the subject of contempt, for they had aforetime been carried captive into the east. Although they are the very aristocracy of God, his chosen people, yet the nations look down upon the Jews. And that's the point that, that, uh, that Matthew was trying to make here, is that it was amazing that these people traveled all this way to find the king of the Jews. Uh, they say this one has been born king of the Jews. What a strange thing for uh, somebody to say, where is the one who has been born a king? Because, uh, you know, kings aren't born, princes are born and they become kings. Now, the wise men said, uh, we have seen this star in the east. Now, th- there's, there's a lot of different uh, suggestions for the 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 natural origin of this this star. Uh, some say it was the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. Some say that some other planetary conjunction. Uh, other people suggest a supernova. Some people think it was some kind of comet. Uh, some kind of specially created unique star or sign. David Guzik says this, whatever it was, it is significant that God met them in their own medium. They're astronomers. God used a star. He guided the astronomers by a star. This was also the fulfillment of Numbers chapter 24 verse 17. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. This was widely regarded by ancient Jewish scholars as a messianic prediction. Notice that it says his star. Uh, the star was Jesus Christ's star itself, but it also led others to Christ. Uh, and it did this because it moved in that direction. Um, you know, David Guzik said it's, it's, it's a sad thing when a preacher is like a signpost pointing the way, but never following it uh, on his own account. Oh, sorry, this is uh, Spurgeon said this. My apologies. My apologies. Let me read this to you again. Uh, It is a sad thing when a preacher is like a signpost pointing the way but never following it on his own account. Such were those chief priests at Jerusalem. They could tell where Christ was born, but they never went to worship him. They were indifferent altogether to him and to his birth. And they have come to worship him. The wise men came to Jerusalem, assuming that the leaders of the Jews would be aware and excited about the birth of the Messiah, and the wise men are about to find out that that's actually not the case at all uh verse 3 uh when herod the king heard this he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him uh herod was constantly on guard against threats to his own rule especially from people in his own family he he, he assassinated many of his own family members uh and and particularly if he, he suspected them of disloyalty and he was very troubled in his character uh he wanted to be accepted by the jewish people that he ruled Um, and he actually wasn't a Jew. He was, he was an Edomite. Uh, and Rome recognized him as a king over Judea. Uh, and so, uh, and so Jews tempered their hatred of him with admiration for all the things that he did to, to, you know, build, uh, incredible, wonderful structures. Um, including the improvements to the second temple, which, which he did. Uh, and so, um, Barclay reminds us, uh, of what an incredibly violent ruler he was. He, Herod had no sooner come to the throne than he began by annihilating the Sanhedrin. He slaughtered 300 court officers. He murdered his wife, Mariamne, her mother, Alexandra, his eldest son, Antipater, and two other sons, Alexander and Aristobulus I mean... That's a troubled man. Uh, the fact that all Jerusalem was troubled with Herod is actually significant because it was either due to the fact that the people of Jerusalem rightly feared what sort of paranoid outburst might come from Herod if he heard that there was a rival king that had been born, uh, or they were troubled because of the size of the caravan, like how many actual wise men there were that were coming from the east. Spurgeon said this, "...the trouble is again testimony to the greatness of Jesus." Even as a young child, Jesus of Nazareth is so potent a factor in the world of mine that no sooner is he there in his utmost weakness, a now-born king, than he begins to reign. Before he mounts the throne, friends present him presents and his enemies compass his death. Okay, let's move on to verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired, this is Herod, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born? And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. This is the, the, the first, uh, contact that the religious leaders had with Jesus, uh, the chief, the chief uh, uh priests and the scribes um they understood the bible they knew the old testament but they 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 didn't apply it in their daily lives um now chief priests would have included those you know who once held the the the, the office of a high priest uh Herod actually changed the high priest office it was a political appointment uh and then there were scribes uh who were the teachers of the law Carson says um Uh, They were experts in Old Testament and its oral tradition. Their work was not so much copying out Old Testament manuscripts as the word scribe suggests, as it was teaching the Old Testament. So when he asked them the question, what's their answer? Their answer is, in Bethlehem of Judea. And they quote the prophet Micah from chapter 5 in the Old Testament, uh, because they knew that that's where the the Messiah was going to be born. Uh, Now, they said Bethlehem of Judea because there were multiple Bethlehem's. There was actually one a few miles north. Uh, that's why they said Bethlehem of Judea, and and they understood that this is where the Messiah was going to be born, but that he would also be a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This this is what they, so they give Herod the full quote, um, which is interesting because they had the right information, but they seemed to be uninterested themselves in meeting Jesus for them, you know, by themselves. But it's strange, really. Verse 7, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Sounds so wonderfully noble, doesn't it? Uh, Now, because Herod later on commanded that all the boys, two and younger, be killed in this area, we can assume uh, that the wise men first saw the star maybe, I don't know, a year before uh, previously, on the night that Jesus was born. Maybe they saw that a year before. And their journey from the east to Judea was actually not as quick as what we think it was. Um, maybe they had to wait until certain logistics of their life uh, you know, came about and allowed for them to leave. Um, Spurgeon said this, Herod heard a good Bible study about the birthplace of the Messiah, but it did him no good When the earth king dabbles in theology, it bodes no good to truth. Herod among the priests and scribes is still Herod. Some men may be well instructed in their Bibles and yet be all the worse for what they have discovered. (laughs) Uh, So Herod says, bring back to me that I may come and worship him also, which is an incredibly strong irony because Herod claimed a desire to worship Jesus when all he actually really wanted to do was kill him. Uh, Spurgeon, again, mark that the wise men never promised to return to Herod. They probably guessed that all his eager zeal was not quite so pure as it seemed to be, and their silence did not mean consent. Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child. Okay, so he's not a baby anymore. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Which I think is incredibly interesting. I really do um the star continued to guide them uh it uh, apparently it reappears uh and and I you know all we can do is surmise that the star appeared months before guiding them to the general area, which they ended up in Jerusalem. Uh, then they visit Jerusalem, they get some more information, and then the star appears again over Bethlehem and guides them. That That's supernatural, okay? That's just supernatural. Spurgeon said this, We believe it to have been a luminous appearance in midair, probably akin to that which led the children of Israel through the wilderness, which was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Whether it was seen in the daylight or not, we cannot tell. So then they go. They go into the house and they see the young child with Mary, his mother. And Jesus is called a young child. Six months, 18 months, two years, not sure. But we know that the child in this Bible verse was mentioned before the mother. That is the complete opposite of how custom would have dictated. It should have been Mary with the child, but it's the child with Mary. Um, We don't know where Joseph was. Uh, we don't know if he was at work. We don't know if he was absent. Um, maybe, maybe, uh, he wasn't meant to be there. So the wise men wouldn't confuse him as the natural birth father. Uh, we don't know. And then they opened their treasures. Uh, their, the, their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, it was very common, particularly in the East, uh, that you'd never appear before royalty without having an, an, an important gift to bring them. And considering who they considered this, young child to be, the Messiah, well, it's not surprising that they were going to give him incredibly lavish gifts. David Guzik. The idea that there were three wise men comes from the fact that there were three gifts. We may say that gold speaks of royalty, incense speaks of divinity, and myrrh speaks of death. Yet it is almost certain that the Magi did this unawares. They simply wanted to honour the king of the Jews. And they did this by presenting these gifts to him. They were not presented to Mary or Joseph, the gifts. They were presented to Jesus himself. That's very important. Uh, that that That's who we are to present ourselves to, to Jesus. Not to Mary, not to Joseph, not to other people, but to Jesus. Undeniably, the infant Jesus didn't use any of these gifts, the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh. His parents would have used them, uh hopefully wisely and they would have used them hopefully for his benefit and for, you know and on his behalf and it's the same for us today when when we when we give to Jesus our time our lives um we actually don't give it to him we give it to his people as he asks us to do uh what he wants us to do we, we give ourselves to him to be used by him to be used in the lives of others. And hopefully we use ourselves wisely as we listen to him. Uh, Maya says this, How useful this goal was to Joseph in following in the following months. It helped him to defray the cost of the journey into Egypt and back and to maintain his precious charges there. The Heavenly Father knew what those needs would be and met them by anticipation. So they meet Jesus. They what, what do they do? They fall down and worship him. More important than the gifts is the fact that they worship Jesus, which must have been incredibly uh, wonderful sight to see these wise men bowing before a young child. David Guzik notes the following: We see here three different responses to Jesus. One may say that all people respond in one of these three ways. Herod displayed an open hatred and hostility towards Jesus. The chief Priests and scribes were indifferent toward Jesus, all while retaining their religious respectability. And the wise men sought out Jesus and worshipped him, even at great cost. And when we compare the visit of the wise men to the earlier visit of the shepherds that you read about in Luke chapter two, verses 15 to 20, you can see this. Jesus came to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. He came to the humble and the ignorant first, then the honourable and the learned, and he came to the poor first, and then to the rich. So, what's interesting is that these men were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. So they departed for their country another way. Now, what's incredible about this is they were obedient to that of which they were warned about in their dream. Uh, they're obedient to a heavenly dream and they, and they leave and they don't go and become Herod's informants, which is what he wants them to do. So as we, as we leave it there for today in, in at the end of verse 12, uh, what do we observe? Uh, well, some of the things we can observe, are what we can learn from the wisdom of the wise men. Uh, They were not satisfied with just seeing the star and admiring it. They actually did something about it. They set out and followed it. They persevered in their search even when they got their first search wrong. Uh, They kept following the star. They were never discouraged by uh, their search, even in in the face of doubtful religious leaders. They rejoiced at the star. When they arrived at their destination, they entered into the house. They didn't wait outside. And when they entered in, they worshipped. Uh, and they sense an urgency in their worship to worship Jesus now, not later on when he was grown up. And when they worshipped, it was to give him something. It wasn't just uh, 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 admiring him. It was to give him everything that they had, not just the gifts. And you see an incredible pattern here that Charles Spurgeon observed. Those who look for Jesus will see him. Those who truly see him will worship him, and those who will worship him will consecrate their substance to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these wonderful truths and gifts that you've given us in your word. Lord, help help us to have these uh, truths sink into us that we, we may continue the search. God, will never give up. And God, that we, we would enter in and worship Jesus when we find him. And that we will consecrate our entire lives to being used by you, our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.